Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. I was 24 years old producing my own show, and I was the only female on the staff. And I found that the way I could win over the men from not being, you know, sort of intimidated by the fact that I was a young woman in my 20s and I was the boss. If you tried to do it by being sterner or tougher than any guy, it wasn't going to work. The way to win people over was to make jokes, making them feel comfortable with laughter. everyone, I'm Dr. Oz, and this is the Dr. Oz Podcast. Marlo Thomas. Joining us today, uh, you all know her, of course, is that girl, Danny Thomas' little girl. But this is a woman who has done incredible things throughout her life. She's a TV legend. She's won four Emmys, a Golden Globe, Grammy, a Peabody, everything. She's also the National Outreach Director for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, a great organization that does cutting-edge work. Her newest book is what we're talking about today, Growing Up Laughing, My Story and the Story of Funny. Uh-huh. And this book, her first memoir, interweaves uh, lots of chapters about Marlowe's personal story of growing up with her comedian father, Danny Thomas, and all of his celebrity and entertainer friends, uh, with uh, topics that uh, really hit me hard about uh, laughing, joy, and what brings playfulness into life. Uh, Marlowe interviewed lots of comedians, Alden Alda, Joy Behar, Sid Caesar, Stephen Colbert. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. There's not a single big name that I thought I would want to hear from that she didn't include. And I think what she does so beautifully is bring all those stories together. So I'm going to talk about all that today, so stay with us. Uh, but let me start off with, I think, the foundation of this, which is that laughing is healthy. Talk to me a little bit about how that epiphany came upon you. Well, you know, I grew up in a house of laughter, and we had... Every, every crisis that ever was, somebody ended up making the other person laugh. So I've never taken life quite as seriously as a lot of people do. I take my work seriously and obviously the love of my family and my husband seriously. But we don't dwell a lot on what's wrong without kind of seeing that it's insane also. You know, I remember my dad 
uh, one time my mother and father were having this huge fight at the dinner table. And I write about this in the book. And my dad got up from the table just furious. And he walked through the dining room and over the marble staircase and a floor to the bottom of the staircase and the big Venetian chandelier overhead. And he put his hand on the carved a pedestal of the staircase. He looked at my mother and he said, Rosemary, I can't live like this. And then he fell over laughing because he got an idea of what he must have looked like in this very <laughs> opulent, beautiful place. And he couldn't live like this. And we all started laughing. And I thought, you know, that is a perfect example of, you know, how they say there are two kinds of people in the world, you know, half full glass and a half empty glass. I think there's three kinds of people when it comes to laughter. And that's people that can laugh at something just about when it's happening, or they can look back at it maybe a while later and then laugh at it, and then those people who never find it funny at all. And those are the people, I think, that are really uh, got too much stress. They're going to end up having heart attacks. Well, you know that better than anybody. You can't take that kind of stress, that kind of suppression to your immune system. Uh, I spend a lot of time at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and the giggling that goes on there and the la- and the clowns that we have come to play with the kids and the puppies that we bring. All that's going on there all the time is things to, to keep them having fun and laughing and not be wallowing in the scariness that they're living with. And boy, it's a perfect example really of how laughter can, can heal you, can make you, can make you better. And I, I remember reading somewhere that... Um, that a man named William Fry, who's a laughter researcher, said it takes 10 minutes on a rowing machine for his heart rate to reach the level it would after one minute of hearty laughter. Yeah. Hearty laughter can make you sore. It yeah. Can, <laughs> you're laughing really hard. But I mean, isn't that interesting? It is. You the, know? The remarkable healing power of laughter is, you know, becoming better appreciated. But just speaking as a lay person, you can appreciate that it is a workout. Yeah. Where your diaphragm hurts, you, you practice the deep breaths. Without, without even trying. Right. It takes you where you want to be. You know, I'm struck, uh, well, you know, this is, growing up laughing is your first memoir. Yes. The other books were uh, a little different in their nature. You went, you tell a lot of very telling stories in this. One was, you mentioned St. Jude's uh, Children's Research Hospital. You talk a little bit about when, when your, your first visit there. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, it was my first visit after my dad died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd been going there for years with him. And and I loved my dad so much, and he died suddenly, so it was very heart failure. It was very scary for us. Uh, it, it's kind of, when somebody dies that, that you love and they die suddenly, it's as if they've been kidnapped. You know, you can't even, the, the brain can't even compute it, let alone the heart compute it. It's a very conflicting thing. Anyway, several months later, I went to St. Jude for the first time, and I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be too painful to go through there and remember him. And, oh, it, it, it was just such a personal place. He founded it in 62, and we spent so much time there together. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I went in, sighed, and I thought, I'm not going to cry because these poor people have enough heartache of their own. They don't need me crying. So I got myself together, and I walked in, and there was this party going on. There was cake and ice cream and streamers and, and little kids running around in party hats. And, and I, so I said to the nurse, oh, that's so darling. Whose birthday is it? And she said, oh, it's not a birthday party. It's an off-chemo party. That's what they celebrate. Oh. They, they, they're able to derive strength from one child's turn for the better. You know, all these little kids having a party to celebrate. And I thought then and there, this is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. My dad's spirit is here. I'm gonna, my spirit's going to be fed here. And the celebration, you know, it's so amazing when you look into the faces of these children, you see the potential for what we could all be, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to 
uh, have joy in the, in the midst of all this adversity, to, to be compassionate for others, to be brave and strong and not wallow in what's going wrong, but think about what's the celebration that you can have every day. It's, uh, it's really a lesson. It's, it's taught me so much. It's remarkable how humans have developed social webs to protect us from the pain of life. Yes. And it's what has kept our species able to thrive, which is why it's such an important part of how we deal with adversity. And I'll just mm-hmm. throw one number out. Uh, if you have a major adverse event in your life, ba- bankruptcy, divorce, uh, it takes about seven years off your life. Really? If you can have an intact social network around you, a web, uh-huh. to pull you back up again, your loss of life is less than a year. Really? But there's still a penalty from having you know a bad thing happen to you that's of major importance, but it's not nearly what it would be if we didn't have each other supporting us. And I think what St. Jude's does so beautifully is it gives you hope. Right. And and hope, of course, is not just getting a good outcome, although St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital helps that occur by the work they do, but it's also being able to make sense of what's going on. Yes. And we, laughter, in many ways, cracks the facade, the veneer we put around us. Which is when you tell the story of your father walking up to the banister and in an opulent setting, say, I can't live like this anymore. Like, you know, right. like, go with the wind. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. And I think uh, it's contagious, too. The one, depression is contagious yeah. and laughter is contagious. You know, they, they say that, you know, it, you can only be as happy as the unhappiest person in the house. So you really want to hang out with people that are happy and and I, sometimes if I'm feeling blue, I'll say to Phil, Let, let's go to a, a comedy movie or let's go to a comedy club. Because yeah. then the minute you're there and you're laughing, sure. you know, your body is moving, your, 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 your blood vessels are expanding, oxygen is getting to you. It's, it does everything for you. Let's talk about Phil for a second. So yes. I, I'll share the story with everybody. I, um, you know, I, I've always been a huge uh, admirer of Phil Donahue. In fact, the show that we do, as you probably know, is, uh, you know, I copy a lot of the things that he developed and brought to television. So, as you know, I, I, a few months ago, I had the opportunity of meeting somebody uh, who knew uh, Phil Donahue. And he said, well, listen, I can give you their number if you want to call them. So I thought, this is really cool. So I, call, I cold called him. Marla Thomas answers, which is the height of irony. That girl answers. When I, and I know, went... Dr. Oz, I watch you every day on my treadmill. So I I hope you recognize your husband in those antics because I try to do the things he did, which is to listen. Yes. He was a wonderful um, conversationalist, but what he did more than anything else, he turned the talk show genre into a listening show yes. genre. And then people felt, well, you know what, if he, if he cares what I'm saying about what I'm saying, right. then I care more about what else is going on in the program. And it, it led to so many years of great success. As you go through your, your, your life with him, you, what are the kinds of things you laugh at? I mean, how do you bring joy to that? And what's been the success of that relationship? I, I think the, the interesting thing is, is that we listen to each other. A, we listen to each other. Mm-hmm. It's funny when I'm a fixer. So uh, if something's wrong, I'm going to fix it right now. I'm going to figure it out and fix it no matter who it is. Marry her off. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Exactly. Get back together. Because <laughs> so, so, uh, after a couple of years of marriage, and we were arguing a lot, he would tell me something and then we'd argue about it. And one day I, I said to him, he was telling me something and I was advising him and you should do this and you should do that. And he said to me, you know what? I, I really don't want you to tell me what to do. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, I just want you to listen. I said, you mean I don't have to fix it? I can just listen? You mean nod my head and go, uh-huh, uh-huh? I said, that's easy. I thought my job was to fix it for you. Yeah. And that was a very interesting moment for me to realize that people tell you things. They don't really want you to fix it. They just want you to say, oh, that's, I understand. It's I understand. so cool you said that because that's the big message Lisa's been hammering me about. See, in our family, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm obviously 
we, we each have our own fixing genes. Right. But, uh, you know, a surgeon always tries to fix. Right. Males are often trying to fix. So, right. you know, the daughters come to you complaining about some crisis in their life. The first thing they do is call up their boyfriend and fix the problem. Exactly. Which is, of course, the last thing they want you to do. <laughs> right. uh, and so on the show, oftentimes early on, I, my first instinct when you were telling me about some you know, catastrophe in healthcare you'd had was to try to fix the problem. Right. And so often what we all want is to be heard first because you right. can't fix a feeling until you've heard it. Right, exactly. Sometimes you can't fix a feeling at all. It can and only sometimes be Sometimes the person doesn't want you to do anything. That was the big thing for me. Yeah. I was used to everybody wanting me to fix things. Mm-hmm. And now I was with a man who's completely self-sufficient and just really wanted somebody to tell it all to. And that really changed our relationship. And I think... I mean, I'm never going to write a book on what makes a happy marriage because I'm not the one to write the book. But uh, uh, but I do think that what makes a marriage wonderful is that you're really good pals. Mm-hmm. You're really good friends. You know, I don't think I, I see people whose marriages aren't working and they're not. They're not close as friends. They don't trust each other as friends. They don't look to each other to have fun. You know, we go out on our boat two weeks at a time, just the two of us. And he's it's a 57 foot boat. And he'll be the captain, and I'll be the crew, and we'll just go. You're kidding me. Captain's the boat himself. Absolutely. We go from Norwalk to all the way. To, we live in Connecticut to Martha's Vineyard or Nantucket, just the two of us. And it is fun, and we laugh, and we, you know, we cook food on the boat, and we have a big bathtub on the boat, and we just have a ball. So you don't, you don't second guess his captaining ever? No, no. <laughs> he, he doesn't second-guess my crewing either. <laughs> okay, we're only just scratching the surface here. We got a lot more to go, so stay with us right after the break. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.
Talk to me a little bit about the advice you might want to give women who are listening to this right now and are thinking, you know, I, I, Marla Thomas was always vitality to us. She always represented what it was to be alive in life. How do you keep that going throughout your life? How do you reinvent yourself? Well, you know, I have a new website called MarloThomas.com. And I've always had the feeling that I've lived somewhere behind a one-way mirror where everybody got to look through it at me, but I didn't get to look back. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to have a conversation with women. And one of the conversations I want to have is, you know, life is not over at 40. This, this website is for women 40 and over to say, okay, what's on your mind? I'm not through dreaming. Are, don't you be through dreaming. You know, let's talk about money and men and kids and, and aging parents And I think what keeps me vital is that I'm not through dreaming. I have new plans all the time. Mm -hmm. I remember George Burns, when he was like 98 years old, said, I can't die. I've got too many plans. And I think (laughs) if you do have plans, you stay alive, you know. And if you don't, you know, I mean, I think retirement is really a bad idea. I I would never retire. (sighs) You know, working, writing books, my new website, uh, you know, working for St. Jude, uh, I did a movie with Demi Moore and uh, Miley Cyrus called LOL. The more I I reinvent myself and find new ways to express myself, and like this website, I'll be talking to all these women now and making this community of women where, where they'll have some place to, to, to vet and and talk to each other. The great thing about the web is that you get a conversation going and then people talk to each other. It's not just you talking to them. It's a completely different kind of dialogue than I've been used to as, an, as a writer and as a person on talk shows and so forth, where I do the talking, but nobody's talking back. Right. That, to me, is very exciting. Speaking of communication, you mentioned LOL. What's it like to make a, a, a movie or a television show now compared to you know, 30 years ago? What are the big challenges you see now that didn't exist and vice versa? The big challenge is that so little money. I mean, this, the, these movies are all done on the cheap, unless you're making Avatar or some gigantic 3D film that has a huge, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. These smaller movies have very little budget. So you're really working fast and you're working on the fly. It's a, you know, even with a big star like Miley Cyrus, you're still working fast and working on the fly. But in terms of the, 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 the talented people you're working with, uh-huh. how do you impart knowledge to them? How do you share with Molly, you know, Miley Cyrus is, you know, probably following your footsteps, but a lot later. I mean, what, what are the tips and clues that you give to her about life that you could share well, with her? i got to tell you something. She, this kid doesn't need any clues. I mean, she is really good. <laughs> yeah. She's smart. She's prompt. She's on time. She, she knows what she's doing. She knows what's good for her. I was very, very impressed with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Demi Moore, too. They really know what they're doing. But I would say to to anybody is, you know, uh, fame is fleeting. Mm-hmm. Really work hard and take take the work seriously. Don't take yourself seriously, but yeah. take the work seriously and, you know, give it your all and and don't take anything for granted. Because it's really, it's such a, uh, it's not just that it's a privilege, it's so hard earned. You know that. Yeah. You know, to, 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 to be known, to find your place in, in a career, any career, you have to really focus on it and put a lot into it. Sometimes your family suffer, all kinds of things suffer. Mm-hmm. But if you really work at it, you know, when you get there, you know, t- treat it well. Treat it well. Take it, take it, don't take it for granted. Well, you and Miley had a similar situation in that you both had famous fathers yes. before you entered the business. Right. And then chose to go into entertainment. I 
believe her father was fairly supportive since they did a television show together for you. Right. But you say in your book that your dad was not supportive of you going into entertainment. Right. He was terrified. <laughs> he really was. He said to me afterward, he said, I just didn't want to relive the terrible first years with somebody that I love. You know, and he dissuaded me constantly. But you know what? He showed up at every play. He was there all the time. He was always in my audience. In fact, people used to say to me, are you nervous when your dad's in the audience? I said, absolutely not. At least that one person for sure loves me. I absolutely love having him in the audience. I used to pretend that the audience was just filled with people that all look like him. Exactly. So, yeah. No, it's good to know that somebody loves you. But he, he, um, he was against it for that reason. He was scared. I remember when I opened in London in Barefoot in the Park, and I write about this in my book, too, where um, he came backstage afterward. My mother was all excited. It was a big success and all this. And my mother was, you know, crying and happy. And I saw my father walk in the door, and he looked like he had just finished the triathlon. He was completely <laughs> drained. I knew that he had lived every moment of that play with me. And I looked at his face, and I thought, it's not exactly pride, it's not joy. Oh, I know what it is. It's relief. It's complete <laughs> relief that I'm not going to kill myself. He's been holding his breath through the entire yeah, show. For probably. the whole show and for the yeah. 12 years before that, you know, he'd been, <laughs> you know, you have kids. You just yeah. want them to be okay. You know, I, I love to talk about some of the comedians that you talk about in the book. Right. And, I mean, let me start with the big question. Do you think you're a good joke teller? I am. Now, what is it that allows you to do that, besides just the timing issues? I mean, Oh, you, the timing. Don't, don't look that down. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not <laughs> but that's just an obvious part. But, well, I mean, you are a funny person, and you're good and quick at this stuff. But what, what, why are some people more challenged with that? I mean, they want to be the life of the party, but they just have a difficult time getting there. Well, you know, it's funny. I asked the comedians in my book. I interviewed uh, Billy Crystal and John Stewart and uh, Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock and a whole lot of wonderful comedians. And my question was which was a question to, oh, to myself and kind of is your question is, how did you get funny? Was there somebody funny in your life? Because I know why my family's all very funny is because we lived with a comedian and there were George Burns and Milton Berle and Sid Caesar and all those guys were at our house all the time telling stories. So we learned how to tell a story mm -hmm. too. And uh, all <laughs> of them had a funny uncle or a funny dad or something in their life that that gave them the fact that they were laughed at, that people saw that there was something funny about them. Except for Jerry Seinfeld, he said his father was very funny. His father told jokes all the time. But he didn't really. He was funny with his friends. His parents, not so funny with his parents. So when he told his parents when he was 20 that he wanted to be a stand-up comedian, his parents said to him, why? You're not very funny. <laughs> so I said, you mean you were like this closet comedian? And he was. He said, I, I was, you know, I, I, I never was funny at home because my dad was funny. I said to Conan O'Brien, uh, were you sort of the class clown? He said, no, no, the class clown usually ends up in a motel shooting. I was just, <laughs> I was just a, a funny guy who said funny things. I just thought that was such a great... He is so funny. I know we have Conan's old studio. Oh, wow. So he, when he went off to the West Coast, it's space freedom. So, of course, we told him he couldn't come back. <laughs> but he said, but my plan's working perfectly. I've gone from network to basic cable. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good plan. 
man. And then uh, to a bus tour. And then to yeah. a bus tour. Yeah. That's right. He's very funny. <laughs> but, you know, as you, you, know, you talk about all the, you know, by the way, to quote Jerry Seinfeld in, in your book, he said the average child laughs 20, 75 times the average a adult a day. The average adult laughs 12 times a day. Yes. And so something happens to us. And as you, as you grew up with these comedians, what was it that allowed them to keep tapping into that childlike desire to laugh? I think they valued it differently. They value humor differently. You know, there are, there are when you're with a bunch of funny people, in fact, last night I had a, a party with about 12 people and several of them were comedian, comedian types and we were laughing and having a good time and I thought, we really value this. Mm. We, we hang out together especially to make each other laugh and we're funnier because the other one is there. You know, when you're with somebody that's really fun and funny, you get to be... You know, that comes out in you because you know it's there's a value to it. You know that it's appreciated. It'd be like, you know, if you're talking about any subject and, you know, you would be you would talk to a, another heart surgeon. They would really, you know, impress each other with what they've just learned in the last year. But co- comedy is the same way. They want to make each other laugh. I remember the comedians. Jan Murray was a very funny guy and I write about it in my book. He would get my father so convulsed in laughter that my father would literally fall on the floor, gasping for air, screaming, stop, stop, like he thought he was literally going to die from laughing. And Jan Murray would straddle over him and continue, you know, just, just, he had him now, this captive guy on the floor. And as I say, you know, in the real world, the guy on the floor convulsed like that is the one having the best time. But in this world, the guy making him laugh like that is really doing what he lives for. And that is the joy of it. Jerry Seinfeld says in the book, I asked him if he thought his children uh, were, were funny. He said, well, my daughter is eight years old and she has a book she carries around called Jokopedia. And she said to me the other day, she says, you know, Dad, I really like to make people laugh. I said, oh, how great. And what did you say to her? He said, I said, I know the feeling, you know. So there's a little genetic thing there, too, you know, the value of a laugh, the value of humor in your life. Well, you know, it's ironic because there's this health benefit of laughter, and it is such a good feeling, and it is um, such a good thing. And yet so much comedy comes from a place of pain within the comedians. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a cynicism there a lot. If you watch, if you turn on the comedy channel, you can see there. There's a little anger underneath. There's a lot of 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 um, taking pain and turning it into something funny. So it doesn't always come from a place of happiness. This comedy. Uh, I think you're right. But what what did Kiel Gibran say? What is our our sorrow? What our joy unmasked? What is our joy but our sorrow unmasked? It's really the same thing. Yeah. It's it's what makes us human beings. I mean, we're the only species that laughs. Yeah. <laughs> Dogs don't laugh, no one else. And also the oppressed people, you know, the Jews, the blacks, the Irish, you know, those are the people that are the funniest people because they've come through something and they've realized that the way you cope with stress is to laugh, is to get it out. I mean, it's it's good for the immune system. It's good for the heart. And I think also when you hear people laughing, you're drawn to it. It's almost like your body wants to be a part of that yeah. explosion. You know, you walk by a group of people that are laughing and say, what's funny? What's so funny? Yes. You want to know. Exactly. You want to you wanna get into that thing. It's like, it's like making love with a lot of people at once. You know, it, it's a, a community uh, of, of love. That's what happens, I think, with laughter. 
There's lots more to come after the break. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know, you, you talk in the book uh, about your dad. There's some great pictures in here, by the way. You say he's an old-fashioned dad. For all the fame and money my father had earned at his court, he was a working-class guy, the middle son of a large family from Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. So what was it that allowed your dad, to Danny Thomas, to, to leave Toledo and reach to the, the level of success that he had in, in Hollywood? What, what, what was that, that little magic dust that he was able to sprinkle that he kept him going? Well, I, first of all, he was an optimist, my dad. I am, too. Uh, he really thought, he really had that wonderful middle-class work ethic, which is if I work really hard, I'll get to where I want to go. Yeah. But I think he had this impetus, too. His family was on relief. We call it welfare today. Yeah. And he had immigrant parents, came from Lebanon, didn't speak, write English or read English, they could speak a little bit. They had 10 babies, nine boys and a girl, and no money. Mm. And my father remembers through that time, you know, how hard that was. And there was a lot of laughter. There was a, you know, a lot of comedy in their lives. And I think that he came out of that immigrant childhood with wanting to be able to provide for his family. He wanted to be a solid citizen. He didn't want to be an uneducated uh impoverished person and he used his gift of laughter really uh, uh, and it's a gift mm -hmm. it's a gift to be funny it's a gift to look at life and see what's funny about it as, to, as opposed to letting it drag you down and he used that gift of laughter to pull himself out of of that immigrant uh, childhood well, Lebanese background I think 
uh, independent of the fact that there was hardship involved with it, it also is, is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, 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 the Lumines in general, I find very funny, very industrious, right? Very effective of getting from point A to point B, right? And uh, you know, I must say, there's a you know, there's a strong. I was fishing up in Canada, and I was I had been taken there by a Lebanese man who's done well in life, and we went to the Gillycuddy, the fishman. And we were just talking about how Lebanese seem to just, you know, make something out of nothing a lot of times. So this Gilly Cuddy took us around, took us fishing. And so we asked about, you know, his background. And it turns out he's the head of all the Gilly Cuddies in Western Canada. He's Lebanese. <laughs> <laughs> He'd come over, learned how to, I mean, I'm not having a good fisherman. This guy could get me to catch fish. <laughs> but I think it speaks to, uh, and I think comedy is an example of this because it is such an art form. Mm-hmm. It's often forgotten. I mean, I must say we have gallows humor in the hospital. Right. So I, I love operating with one of my partners who I, I've always found to be one of the funniest people on the planet. And in the most dire circumstances, he'll say something that just cracks the ice of tension in the right. operating room. The, by the way, MASH, the movie, yes. the lead surgeon in that movie, Alan Alda character, was based on the man who was chairman at Columbia for many years. Wow. And so it was the same kind of concept. You, you would tolerate anything except abusing those beneath you because mm-hmm. they had enough stress already. Right. And, you know, how, do I, how does my you know, yelling at a nurse help the situation Right, at all? right. In fact, right. it's insulting to me and them. Everyone. To everybody. Yeah. So they would always use humor as a way of decanting the frustration that, in, that necessarily happens in life. Right. Would you find that frequently as you were growing, going through life? In the, not just with your father, but in your own life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also found that it was a way to, when I was starting out, I was, you know, the only female. I was 24 years old producing my own show, and I was yeah. the only female on the staff. And I found that the way I could win over the men from not being, you know, sort of intimidated by the fact that I was a young woman in my 20s and I was the boss yeah. <laughs> uh, was, to, was to make jokes. Well, you know, was was to I brought people together with humor because otherwise, if if you tried to do it by being sterner or yeah. tougher than any guy, sure. it wasn't going to work. So uh, I think I've always thought that that the way to win people over is is with is making them feel comfortable with laughter. You know, that's what I think when you go to a comedy club or something, you're you're in a place where everybody's come for the same thing. They've all come to let go, to, yeah. to have some fun. They didn't come there to have a bad time, you know. <laughs> uh, they, can do that, they can do that at home. Exactly. <laughs> and only Don Rickles, you know, is the only guy I know that, gave, that the hardest way to get laughs is he insults people, you That's know. Right. And people can't wait. They, they, you know, they tip the maitre d' to have the front table so they can be insulted. They love it so much. It's just... It's an interesting thing. But I, I do think that if you w- watch little children, I think the reason children laugh so much is that they, and we don't laugh as much, is that it's sort of taken out of us as we grow up, you know? I remember so much in school being told not to giggle and not right. to laugh and not to pass that note around. I mean, the spontaneity, you just keep, you know, beating spontaneity out of somebody, and after a while, you know, they won't giggle or laugh as much. It's hard to hang on. To that, it's, that's why it's great if you have it at home, you know. Then, then it, and you see it as a really good thing. I mean, I was always in trouble for laughing. <laughs> I could see that. There's a glimmer in her eye now. <laughs> Speaking to Marlo Thomas, growing up laughing. Title for a new book: My Story and the Story of Funny. So, MarloThomas.com. What's yes. your What's your hope with that? My hope with that is that millions and millions of women will talk to each other and inspire each other. I'm doing, for example, these different video series mm. on the on the web. One of them is called The Hero Next Door. And I'm asking women to send me and nominate 
mm-hmm. a woman that they know that's doing, it doesn't have to be the, somebody who brought the plane down into the harbor. <laughs> right. right. Salzburger. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's just somebody who did something really good or kind that we can learn from that's a hero to you. We're doing another series, and we've already done a lot of them, doing another series called Girls' Night Out, where I get five or six women, and we sit around, drink wine, and and absolutely vet about all the things that are driving us crazy about our husbands or our kids or each other or our girlfriends. It's a girlfriend place because, actually, it came out of my own desire. I always think if I think of something, everybody else is thinking it too. Sure. And... Uh, it's my own desire as I go on the web, and I love the web, that there's no place for me. There's no place like just, just talk, grown-up talk. You know, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter, and, and now my site's up. It's much, much more fun for me to be talking to these women about real things and not, you know, talking to 20-year-olds. I mean, I love 20-year-olds, but I'm not 20. So for women 40 and over, this is a, a new place, a place where you can find some real conversation, and maybe some solutions, and maybe some inspiration. And and mostly what I want to say is, don't stop dreaming. Yogi Berra said, it ain't over till it's over. Yeah. It ain't over after 40 either. No. And that's something to, to celebrate. Not everyone's blessed by having a comedian father. For the, uh, and sort of my last question in the purgatory of questions I've been <laughs> through. Uh, what would you give as advice to families listening to us right now who want to bring humor back into their life, to, to make, make it a fun experience for the family. We have to look for it. I mean, really, tell a joke. Go some, find a joke book mm-hmm. and pick a joke and tell it and make the people around you laugh. Find ways to bring the humor into your life. Go to a comedy club, go to a comedy movie. Start to get into the habit of putting humor in your life. There are people who never do any of those things. But... I remember when we were children, my dad used to always say at the dinner table, who heard a joke today? Oh, my goodness. That's yeah. <laughs> and we would tell a joke, and he would laugh. So what's your favorite joke right now? My favorite joke. Oh, my God, I have so many jokes. Well, let's see. I'll give you a joke from my book. I, I have one from Chapter 3. I'll, okay, I'll go first, then you go, right? Okay. Old man and his wife. And by the way, remember this joke, guys, so you can tell it at home when you get to your kids. <laughs> An old man and his wife die, and they go to heaven. They're sitting. This is from Chapter 3 in Marlo Thomas's book, Growing Up Laughing. Uh, they're looking out at the lush hills and the valleys. The birds are fluttering about, and the beautiful aroma of lilac trees is wafting over their table. Everything is perfect, even though waiting at the tees, they're golfers. After a while, the wife turns to her husband, and she, she says, Darling, isn't heaven wonderful? Yeah, he says. And if it hadn't been for your god darn oat brand, we could have been here 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I love that joke. I've got a good one. Actually, right. this is Phil gave me this joke. There's an old Irishman named Paddy. He's just about to go to his eternal reward. He looks at his grieving friend Mike and says, Mike, I have one last request. Anything, Paddy, Mike says. What is it? He says, in the kitchen pantry, you'll find a hundred-year-old bottle of whiskey. When they put me in the ground, will you pour it over me grave? I will, Patty, Mike said. But would you mind if I passed it through my kidneys first? <laughs> <laughs> Marlotas, thank you so much for gracing us today with your oh, presence. Oh, it's fun. Congratulations on growing up, laughing. My story and the story are funny. Uh, you know, you're as, uh, as lively, vivacious, and with it uh, as always. And I Thanks. appreciate it. Congratulations for all you've done in leading so many people to a happier place in their lives. Thank you.
up my story and the story of funny. Uh, growing up laughing. Oh, growing up laughing. Oh, I thought it was just growing up. No, no. Growing I, thought, up. I, I thought laughing was the author. No. <laughs> Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.